me. Let's go for it. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's uh, edition of Marketing Crew. And we've been on a bit of a journey over the last few weeks talking about the growing economic difficulties, um, the challenges that may or may not provide for us so that we're well prepared. And today... We're going to be talking to Tracy Carter, or Tracy Carter is going to be leading us in a discussion about an element that's at the heart of what we do, of what all businesses do. We talk about the steps towards marketing. We talk about sales and marketing journeys. We talk about the different elements. But in the end, it's all about clients, customers, and their satisfaction in what we do. And Providing that satisfaction is all part of the service that we need to provide for uh, clients. But sadly, what I think can happen easily in the quest for more clients is that once there are clients, they can be ignored. And uh, maybe in terms of retention or in terms of the service we provide, uh, we can go adrift. Tracy has this to a T. So, Tracy, I'm going to hand it over to you. I've got my pen handy. I'm going to be the one that's taking lots of notes today. So over to you, Tracy. So can I share my screen, Paul? Yeah, you should be able to. OK, yeah, I can. Thank you. So I'm just going to do a little bit on sharing the screen and then I'll go back to us all being in the room. Um, so I want to kind of just talk to you today and I kind of want to make sure I keep it interactive and focused on the kind of solo entrepreneur. So I'm not going to talk about um, customer services per se in terms of kind of all the, the kind of things you should do in terms of meeting, greeting your customers, smiling, being polite and all that sort of stuff, because I think everybody in the room knows all of that stuff. Um, but I want to talk about the customer experience and I use experience more so than saying customer services, because I think it is about how you make them feel when they're interaction with you and kind of then how they feel about recommending you and um, using you again. So, so the question for everybody in the room today is, as a business leader, do you want to make sure that you and your brand is synonymous with delivering a great customer experience? And that's a question I guess you've got to answer for yourself because not everybody does. Some, some businesses aren't interested in the customer experience. They're just interested in the profit or they're interested in some other kind of issue. But you need to decide whether customer experience is a really important part for you. And if it is, then you really need to focus on doing that. Um, and I think what's useful for us to discuss as part of this is kind of what will help you stand out different from your um, competitors and other people because of the way you treat your customers and you make people feel. So that said, um, I'll share with you a, a quote. Um, if you build a great experience, customers will tell each other about that. Word of mouth is very powerful. And that's kind of the conversations we've been having leading up to this. That's by Jeff Bezos. Now, whilst I don't, I think he's a great businessman, I don't necessarily agree with some of the kind of way he builds his business. Um, but you can argue that from a customer experience point of view, people use Amazon because they get what they want, they get it when they want it, and it delivers to their expectations. So what I'm just going to share just for, for a minute, just so as you kind of understand where I'm coming from. And um, so for me, this is kind of my model that I use in my business, which is um, 
if you start in the middle, in the in the middle, the kind of the issue is we should all think of ourselves as leaders in our business, even if it's just us, because self leadership is the most important thing, because you are responsible for leading your business to where you want it to go and your life and actually living it the way you want to live it. And I think the second bit that goes with that is for me. And I use these words, even though I know some people don't like it, but for me, it's all about being in service of others. And you have to have that mindset that you're in service of others, because otherwise you become, you know, there for your own fulfilling needs, you know. So so, so there's a real kind of thing there, which takes us nicely into kind of mindset. And I think in terms of this context, mindset for me is about you need to see your you need to have a positive mindset anyway, but you also need to see the good intentions of your customers, because I've seen lots of business that see their customers as a pain, as a hindrance, kind of getting in the way, you know, and they're they're out to defraud you. They're, you know, you know, when you're in the checkout and kind of somebody holds up your, your 10 pound note and to check whether it's a real one. So it's kind of saying, I don't trust you. And so you've, you, you've really got to think about that and kind of what that's doing to the customer experience. Then you've got the issue around empowered employees. Now, we won't discuss that today because I don't think many of us um, employ many staff. And that's about how you keep everybody on message. So that's one angle to it. But we won't be talking about that at all today. The next bit is around collaboration. And that's what that's how in bigger organizations, teams work together to make sure that experience is good. But in, in our type of businesses, it can be about how we collaborate with others to make sure that overall experience is, is good. But also, if we're outsourcing any of our services, we need to make sure that they are on message with us and delivering the right customer front end. Otherwise, that could, could let you down. And then the final bit is, is it's all about the customer. And I strongly believe that it is all about the customer. <clears throat> now, I know not everybody does. And I've heard a number of businesses when I've been on networking calls and they've said, we've had a customer who was a bit rude to one of our staff, so we've told him to sling us up. Now, that's absolutely fine if that's kind of what they want to do. But and, and they, they were saying it for the right reasons in terms of somebody was rude to one of their staff members. Um, so you can absolutely, if you're in business for yourself and that's how you choose to run it, you don't have to have customers you don't want to have. But if you have got customers and if they're paying you, then you, you do have to make sure you're delivering a quality service to them and valuing and respecting them, in my view. So. What I wanted to just share, and um, I've kind of tailored this today for, for what we're doing now, but we as business owners have got to be adaptable to the changes that are going on around us. And I think we've got to be adaptable to our customers. So I've used the um, acronym ADAPTIVE to kind of just talk about some of the key parts of customer services. Then when we finish that, we're going to pick on one of these parts and have a full debate and discussion on it, which I think will be the best use of, of everybody's time today. So adaptive for the customer, <clears throat> attention is about making sure that you listen and understand your customers and what they really need. And I think most people in this room from the conversations we've been having do do that. But sometimes you do need to listen a bit harder to what your customers are telling you, because I've, I've experienced where businesses are doing things in one way because they think that's the right way. But the customer's experience of that is different. And so you need to kind of understand that and see where that fits with your ethos and with what you've you've agreed to do with your customers 
the second bit is kind of around design. And I think with design, you've got to make sure that you build your customer processes into your business from start to finish and, and before start and after finish. And I think um, great customer service doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. So design it in and think about what you want that to be. You should always appreciate your customers. See them as unique because if you see them and treat them as unique, they will always remember you. If you deliver poor service, they'll never forget you. And that's kind of really true, you know, and when you deliver poor services, people will tell other people about that, which in our line of businesses, we don't want that. But equally, if you deliver a really great experience, they will recommend you. They will tell more and more people. And that's where the world of mouth is really important. The positivity, as I said earlier, it's all about the mindset and seeing your customers with good intentions. You know, yes, you will have um, customers that may be rude. And yes, it's right to say to your customer, please don't swear at me. I'm going to hang up on you if you continue to swear. But you still do it respectfully and you still do it politely. You know, if it's the first time and it's a, it's a known person and they're, you know, depends on way, the way they're swearing and if they're swearing at you and being really aggressive and rude. But you've, you've got to kind of, you know, treat people as you would expect to be treated yourself is kind of, you know, one of the key issues. <clears throat> touch points. Now, this is the bit we're going to spend the time on in a minute, um, looking at the different touch points in your businesses and whether you're focused on the customer and whether you're trying to kind of stand out and do something special for that customer. Improvements, you should always be making improvements to your services based on the learning that you get from dealing with different customers, from what you see, what you hear, what you learn. And I think the thing we were talking about just now, you've got to see the value in customers giving you feedback. And actually, a complaint is one of the best things that can happen sometimes to you in a business because you get the opportunity then to interact with that customer on an individual basis. And if you see that customer as unique and you look to kind of put it right and over put it right, then you can turn that customer into a really loyal customer because people don't have loyalty to, 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 to businesses until they test them out um, in terms of if it's gone right or wrong. But you will lose a customer if it goes wrong. So be, build in that kind of feedback. And finally, always look to exceed your customer expectations. That's your standing point. Um, not just, just kind of dealing with the customer, but exceeding their customer expectations. So this is where sometimes you've got to make sure that when you're setting your standards, always think under, under promise and over deliver. Because that way, if, you're, if you can do a job and it takes you half an hour, if you tell your customer, I'll be back to you within half an hour, and something happens and it goes wrong and you can't get back to them until 50 minutes, then, then you're on a hide into nothing, you know? So you're better off saying it'll take an hour and being back 10 minutes early. So it's all about how you think about these things when you're interacting with your customer. So that's that's the kind of the, 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 the key bits. And we can go into a lot more detail on that, but I wanted to kind of get into a, a discussion point around touch points. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna stop sharing my screen and we're gonna kind of talk about the five 
customer touch points um, and how we can think about that in our business and how that can kind of improve us. So anybody got any questions at this stage before we go into that? And please feel free because it is interactive. Uh, Anne-Marie. Can I just ask a question about feedback quickly, if possible, because um, yesterday I was thinking about designing a feedback form because I don't currently have one. Yeah. Uh, so for people that have I've finished the project on, my issue is I'm too scared to do it and send it in case it comes back and says something horrible. So I'm really worried about that. Um, and the same with asking for LinkedIn referrals. But if I did one and I sent it out, how many times, because I'm assuming they're not going to then reply and do it straight away, it'll just go into a, how many times should you resend it or how often should you send it or do you just send it once or what's the sort of protocol on that? So I would say send your feedback out. So, so get over the fear and send the feedback out. And we'll go into more about this because um, you've got to hear that the best bit of gold dust you'll get is when somebody tells you they didn't like something and it might hurt but you can do something about that and make sure that never happens again. In fact, it kind of, you know, you over exceed kind of what you would have done. Um, but I would send out the feedback form and um, then I would probably leave it a week and then I would just do a reminder and then I wouldn't do any more because I think you don't want to kind of bombard them with kind of, you know, will you feed, do my feedback? But I think a one, a one off reminder is OK um, after about a week or two weeks. But I don't know, do other people have different views on that? Because this is, you know, there is no right or wrong on this. This is kind of really about the standards we want to set for our own businesses. Ollie. Um, yeah, hi, Camarie. I, I've actually set up a form and I sent it out to my clients. I've worked with put websites live recently and just don't hear anything back from them. And I was kind of wondering, yeah, the when should ask again? And I, I know from my experience with the clients that I work with, when they're they're trying to get testimonials for their websites and things like that, they just find it impossible with businesses. I'm working with one client and it's taken them about four or five months to get any kind of, they want to have case studies on their site and to try and get any um, feedback from their, their customers because they're all running businesses and just don't seem to have the time to kind of, you know, fill out a form for five, 10 minutes and do anything. And yeah, so yeah having a maybe waiting but is there anything in particular we could put in there that would not incentivize because obviously don't want to do that but um yeah encourage people or anything or is it just well, the phone? so i think that's that that's the kind of the core of the discussion we're going to have now cool. because i think if we look at the touch points so um for me there are and i haven't um just where did i put that there are five 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 touch points i'll, I'll read them out to you so as far as as far as i think about it I think the first touch point is when people are checking you out and watching you before they've even engaged with you. So you don't know who these people are. So that's the first one. The second one is, is about the engagement when they might start talking to you to kind of decide whether they're going to sign up with you or not. Then the third bit is when they've signed up with you and you're then into that kind of contract with them of delivering whatever it is you're, you're going to do. The fourth touch point is when they've they've made a complaint or they've shown some dissatisfaction with you in the services and the fifth point I wrote down after sales and then scrubbed off sales because I hate the word sales the after service is about how do you engage with them um, after you finish with them and how do you make sure that through all of those touch points you're treating that customer as somebody unique and special all the way through because I think 
I think, Ollie, if you treat them, you know, and you can't always get people to feedback. You're right. Some people won't. They never will. But if you treat them as special and they love your service, they'll give you a review. They'll feedback. Nick. Yeah, just picking up on Anne-Marie's point and Ollie's point, I, 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 always find, I find it really difficult as well in terms of getting kind of feedback and reviews. But one thing I, I've started to do, which I think is helping, is at the end of a shoot, I'll often say to the client, um, would it be okay if I sent you either a feedback form or ask for a Google review once we've kind of finished the process? You know, it'd be great to get your feedback so other clients can see what it's like to work with me. But And just having that verbal communication with them rather than just sending the email cold Kind of yeah. warms them up a little bit and you, and you actually get some interaction at the time and then I think they're much more likely then to to do it because you've talked about it definitely now I'm not sure about hands so I'm going to pick an order so I'm going to go Marcus Rod then Paul <laughs> thank you I mean I guess there's two types of feedback here we're talking about though isn't there Tracy we're talking about feedback as a testimonial as a review and yeah. ideally you want that to be glowing and yeah. then this feedback that's going to be more constructive shall I say so you're asking, in fact, for two different types of feedback, aren't you? So how do you differentiate between that? So, so to answer that, so what I so let me let me give an example now. So um, I'm doing this presentation to you all guys. So I hope at the end of this, you'd be happy to give me some feedback about what you liked, what you didn't like, what I could do better, um, because that will help me to make sure I can improve it for the next group of people I talk to about customer services. So I would really appreciate, and I genuinely mean this, I would really appreciate your feedback um, and especially the things you don't like because the, the best bit of learning for me, if you come back to me and go, oh, that was lovely, Trace. That is rubbish. Do you know? It's nice, thank you. But it's, it's rubbish in the sense of me as a business trying to improve my services. But when people, you know, and I've had this a lot, even in, in, in leadership, when people have said to me, I had one person who said, Trace, when you come into the meeting, you're always busy, you're rushing, you know, and kind of like you've got the, 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 the weight of the world on your shoulders. But this is my time. And I just want you to kind of be present with me in my one to one with you, you know, and I had to sit there and take that and kind of think he's, he's, he, he was absolutely right. And I'll tell you what, I never turned up late and I never went into a meeting with any kind of baggage at all. And that was a great learning lesson for me for the rest of my career, you know. So don't be frightened of it. Yes, it hurts, but you can do so much with it. Whereas if people if people don't give you honest feedback, you can't do anything. So what you're saying then is feedback that could be constructive or critical is best done verbally. And then feedback that might be done for your test as a testimonial is best done in another way, written way. I think don't even talk about testimonials until you get the service finished. Ah, okay. Okay, because because you know it's like oh, it, can you give me a can you give me a review when I finish this? You know, um, I'd really appreciate it. You're, you're thinking well, you haven't delivered anything yet. You know, so so always do that at the end, and by then you should have kind of really have engaged with that customer well. So, but, but feedback during the process and you, you can do it in an email where you, if, you know, I could have followed up with this and kind of said, look, I love doing the, the um, presentation to you this morning, but I'd really appreciate some feedback because it would be valuable to me. Um, and you can do it that way. But again, people might not, you know, and people don't always. So you have to also accept that people won't always give you feedback. Rod. Yeah, I think for me, it's a little bit more personal uh, because it's such a very, personal thing dealing with 
uh, a death of dealing with someone's loved one, um, that I can actually, uh, at some point in the initial conversation, you know, when I go and meet the client, talk about the whole process and say that I will be, the very last thing I'll do is deliver mum, dad, whoever's ashes. And at that point, um, you'll be able to review what I've done and um, either leave me with a, um, a nice five-star review on Google um, or tell me where I went wrong, you know? So, um, and, and I don't have very, I don't have any conversation of where I went wrong, touch wood. Is there any wood in here? Probably not. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I make a point as part of the whole thing that I do. And uh, when I go and deliver someone's ashes, I'm not there going, yeah, bye. <laughs> no, I, I allow myself one hour, the same amount of time as I do when I do the initial consultation with them. And I sit and have a cup of tea and a biscuit. We have a right good chat about it all. And um, I tell them there's no rush. Don't worry about buying a box or some urn or something like that. Have a think about what you're going to do with it. We have a really good, meaningful conversation about their loved one that's there in a, you know, a box from the crematorium. And if they're not sure how to do the review, I'll show them how to go on there. And, um, you know, it, it's, it really does. That's a real big part of what I do. It really, that last part for me is really important because the next person that doesn't know a funeral director, and that's where I get my business, by the way, um, uh, will, will judge me by the reviews that I've recently had. So and, they're and that, very important. that is a really good example of kind of where you have to have customer services at the heart of what you do, don't you, Rod? Yeah, I mean, making a difference is, you know, the massive part of what I do. It's not about the money. It's about making a complete difference and de delivering a funeral that you would want delivered for your own family. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Rod. Paul. Um, I, I'm going to come back to Anne-Marie and I know exactly how she, feel, <coughs> she feels because in asking for feedback, you are, you, you're perhaps frightened that they might say something bad. In my experience, of actually delivering feedback, especially on things like Amazon, et cetera, and, and a lot of things I don't have the time to do. Um, but normally I'm a bit on the kinder side, you know, they'd have to be really bad for me to give a bad review. You know, it, it, you, most people want to be, tend to be, want to be kind, but I think actually, if you're genuinely interested, how could we do, how could, I think if we say, how could we have done better, uh, I wonder whether that's a good question because that invites somebody to start to think about little gaps. That might be quite powerful. But the point I wanted to make to Anne-Marie is that if you get somebody that, that, that tells you something uh, negative about the experience, it was perhaps that you've got to decide, is that just a one-off? Is it a one-off for that person's uh, perception because they may be in a bad mood or whatever, or is it a one-off because that experience was you were tired on that day or you're a bit grumpy or, or whatever? Because um, there's a danger that we start adjusting everything because of everybody saying something different. I don't think we should be frightened of people's feedback. I, I think we genuinely, you know, I went to a meeting yesterday and uh, Rod and I, came, it was a chamber meeting, and I formed certain impressions. And certainly there's lots of ways I could help the chair improve the way he organized things um and that would be a kind thing to do 
rather than let him continue to be fairly chaotic. Anyway, that was all I wanted to say. It's always it's always your choice. Oh, Jason, did you put your hand up? Yeah, <clears throat> it's just triggered the memory of a couple of business mentors that are fairly popular on um, social media. So, you know, they reckon you can get a sort of a one to two percent negative content, but you've got to be really clear when you read a negative review or comment, is that actually a genuine critic? Is that a hater or actually a troll? Someone that's it's, it's their world. So, and the real critics, the people who are actually causing you to step up, but do, do you a great service on that. Um, and, but it was also, it's just, it just kind of reminded me as well, as several times I've worked with people on web staff or digital marketing and, and there's been negative reviews on their social media that have never been replied or commented to because people aren't aware of them. So some, you know, Google will often set you up a business places um, uh, listing that you, the business owner doesn't know about and then people have left negative reviews. So that's also a, just, just kind of a, a reminder for everyone to be checking your, your own business details online to make sure there's nothing out there that's not been de dealt with. It's also a really good way to demonstrate a response. So if you do get a negative review and it's public, actually respond to that in a public environment. That could be really useful. Paul and then Nick. Um, Anne-Marie led off by asking, asking for feedback as part of a process. What Jason's just covered there, of course, we do get feedback on social media when we don't even ask for it. And I'll give you a brief example. Uh, the mayor asked me, alerted me to the fact there were a load of Harley Davidsons coming through Wells and he was going to bless them, I think. <laughs> anyway, I decided to take, uh, I, was, I took the drone, but it was too windy and wet. But uh, I took a video and I put it together fairly quickly. And as I normally do, I put some music on the background. Maybe it was a tad too loud. Uh, and I sent it out there on social media. And I started to get criticism um, about the music drowning the sound of the Harleys. And I could have taken that personally. I could have, I could really have been quite upset by that. But on reflection, I thought they're absolutely right. If I was doing this again, I wouldn't have included because you want to hear the sound of a Harley Davidson. So what I did is I, to everybody that replied in that way, I wrote back and said, I think you're right on reflection. Here's a, here's a, I've re-edited it. It's on YouTube without the, uh, uh, without the soundtrack and uh, or the music and everybody the number of people that thanked me for that and of course it got more views so i think sometimes if you if, if you've do, if something's not gone right i think it's very human to say hey you know you're absolutely right what you do with that then in terms of compensation is another matter that you may lead on to but i think if you if if on reflection you try and see things in the way other people are seeing them and you think, you know what, I think you're right, I didn't. You know, we don't always get it right. So we shouldn't be frightened of that. Right, Nick, then Marcus. Hey, Tracy, I, just, I can't remember at which point you mentioned mindset. I think it's fairly, fairly on in your presentation. And I think the more you think, the more I've kind of thought about that, that word, that kind of influences everything, doesn't it? It's, it's how you behave when you're with the customer. It's how you behave after you've finished serving your customer. And if, if you can keep in that positive mindset yeah. and and also a kind of positive learning mindset as well of actually taking criticism positively and not negatively. I think that that can just kind of completely shift the way you deal with problems when they, because inevitably a problem will come up at some point. You will 
something and, will get you know become a challenge yeah and as individuals i think we've always got to take and this is back to the leadership bit because if somebody says you know trace your customer customer service kind of presentation was shit you know it didn't hit any of the the spots that we wanted to do then i've got to kind of think oh my god was it really and if it was i gotta face that but if it wasn't that's not my problem and I've got to ignore that person because that person might have been completely so we have to judge you know sometimes what we take seriously and what we don't um because of the trawling and everything else so yeah you're absolutely right Nick it is about yeah and maybe occasionally we'll learn to let stuff go as well haven't we and not yeah, get definitely. too wrapped up in it yeah. yeah Marcus and then Rod and then Anne-Marie and then me oh, <laughs> is the customer always right I do. I run an Airbnb and I've learned a lot about customer service. I've had about 500 people in it. And there's one review and on Airbnb, there's one little segment that I do lose out on and it's my location. And only a little bit. I get very rarely I get a lose a star my location. And basically the guests say, oh, it wasn't near the place that I thought it would be. So, it, so I, write, I say to Airbnb, well, what am I meant to do? Am I meant to move house or something? What can I do about this? And they said, oh, just ignore it. Don't, it doesn't mean anything. My point I'm making here is that if the customer should have found out, first of all, looked at a map and seen if I was near where they needed to go. I don't know that. So is, are, we, are we in danger here of acquiescing or kowtowing uh, to the customer? At the cost of our service. Sorry. So I can only go by my kind of view on this from kind of, you know, my experience on everything. So I would say, yes, the customer is always right in the mindset issue about how you deal with it. But what I would do with that review thing, kind of if they said it was miles from anywhere, is I would thank them, you know, and I would say I either wouldn't respond because sometimes, you know, even yeah. though you might say the customer is right, sometimes you can't respond. But yeah. equally, I might think do I need to make that clear in the literature that we are further away from the town centre or wherever it is? Because actually that is, that is a, from a customer's point of view, that's been important. Yes, they should have checked it out, Marcus. You're not at fault for that. But actually I can make sure I let the next person taking that um, Airbnb knows that that is an issue for some of the customers. So, so that's, that's the bit where I say, yes, they're right. They're not always right. And you don't always do what they say and you don't always respond to it, but you have to think about the customer because your, your Airbnb wouldn't work for you if you didn't take into account the customer. Because without customers, you'd have no, no lettings. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's quite correct. You're, you're correct in what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, I, they, it, it is quite clear my my listing exactly where I am in my... They, so then that's when you let go, you know, because... Yeah, you just got to let it go. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah, the customer isn't always right. Yeah, but if the customer was talking to you and said, I was disappointed it was further away, if you said, well, you should have bloody done your research before, and that, I would say, was not good customer services. But if you said, I'm really sorry you didn't find it to be, you know, I thought it was clear on the listings and stuff, job done. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, was it Rod and then Anne-Marie? Yeah, uh, I think sometimes, Marcus, you know, I'm looking for a hotel at the moment in Salisbury. <clears throat> and I noticed on the thing, it says so many uh, miles or half a mile or a quarter of a mile from the city centre. Oh. I want to be right in the centre. So, you know, I, I know what you're saying and how your customer feedback is. But what I was going to say, 
you know, I've had to fire myself so many times, right? Now, the reason I've had to fire myself is because the, us as business people, we're always on show, right? Everybody knows who you are. You drive a car like I do with the number plate on there to hide the age of the darn thing. It's got WFS on it. They put that into Google. They know who you are, and they ring up your number to complain. And um, there's a guy who overtook me. I tell you, I don't know how fast he was going, but I tell you, he's been the speed limit, and he had a hat on. I said, don't worry, I'll sack him. I know exactly who you're talking about. He's done it before, that bastard. We'll get rid of him. Don't worry about it. And and I've had to sack myself so many times. It's unbelievable. And if when you're out, and the worst one of all is when you're out on a funeral. Oh. Well, especially if you're speeding. Involved. Well, no, you mustn't be speeding, although, you know, uh, that wasn't me that time. But yes. But, you know, you've got to be very careful because people are aware and they are watching you and they won't think nothing of phoning up and complaining about you. Um, and and I don't blame them, really. I think, you know, we are 100%. We've got to be uh, very positive, uh, very aware that people that aren't in business, um, I don't know what it is about it, but I think sometimes, you know, they think business people should act the way perhaps their perception or the, the way they look at things. I don't know. But it's, it is quite, it's quite surprising sometimes. Anne-Marie. Yeah, so I was wondering how we know how far to take the constructive feedback in terms of changing or modifying our product service behaviour. And I guess what I mean by that is, as somebody that's confident in what I do, but new to business, I very much feel like I don't have the answers when it comes to business so I am very well I don't have the answers when it comes to what I'm doing but I kind of have a bit more of a clue but I'm kind of I'm very happy to listen to business experts and a another person that will say you need to charge more or you need to do this or whatever it might be which is all great and good but I have this I can't even remember who it was and what it was, but somebody last week was telling me I needed to be doing something. And in my gut, it just felt wrong. And I'm like, hang on a second. That will then start to move away from who I am, what I am, the business I am and what I want to do. However, they are a proven business entrepreneur person that's made loads of money and launched loads of businesses. So this is where I kind of struggle thinking, do I listen to, not necessarily everybody, but how do I know what to listen to and what not to listen to? Do I just go with my gut? Or is there a formula or... So, so what I would say to you on that, Anne-Marie, is I think always listen to your gut because, you know, that's our kind of, one of our key things that kind of tells us. Then I think there's another level. And because Anne-Marie and I have kind of done some of the kind of saboteur stuff, I think you've got to just question are you not doing something because it's a fear and you just don't want to do it? Um, and if it's not that, and you really believe that just because somebody else tells you that's how to, to do it and they've done it that way, doesn't mean to say that's right for you, you know? And so if it's not, don't do it. I mean, we, we've all probably seen lots of gurus out there telling us sell, 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 do this, this, this. And some of it is good advice. But not all of it is, is good advice because actually a lot of them are just selling their services. So they're just doing hard sales to us to buy what they're selling, you know. So always, always go with your gut, but try and do a bit of measurement on that in terms of 
you know, is there something stopping you that, that that's a kind of fear or or is it you're you're absolutely right. You know who you are. You know what you want to do and you might want to stick with that. But you but you've just got to kind of the feedback is gives you an opportunity to have the conversation and explore it and then you decide what you do with it. Paul, you were next, I think. Yes. Um two well just two things and I've finished on on this particular subject um and somebody just mentioned people are watching you on social media so uh and I think uh, Marcus started that somebody's made a comment how you respond to it publicly other people will observe and other people are not phased by one negative review if if I get a negative review about a particular product I'm about to buy it's one person's opinion so the answer for Anne Marie is if somebody says makes a criticism then that's their perception you don't know where they're coming from you don't know where their issues are you don't know their expectations if there's a consistent pattern then maybe it needs to be looked at seriously so that's what i would say to that but i still i would send the feedback in your case get that feedback request out at the risk that somebody might tell you something about you that you don't give yourself credit for. So very often people think more of you and, and different things about your service that you haven't even thought of. That's for sure. And that's one of the added benefits of, uh, of, of asking for genuine feedback. Um, that's all I would say. Nick. Yeah, Tracy, I think one thing that we've probably nearly all of us have got in common here is that we we don't have a transactional relationship with our clients you know some of some of the client relationships we have might from first point of contact through to live delivery finished product could be two three months maybe maybe with Anne-Marie even more if it's a really big book project and I get I guess we've got opportunities throughout that process to kind of check in with the customer rather than just waiting for everything at the very end nicely have you got Nick. have you got any kind of tips on that or yes so that's a nice leading because that takes us into what we're going to do now is have a conversation on each of those five touch points about how can we improve that process for our customer and think about our customer in each of those. Some things we'll talk about, we've talked about before and we're already doing and yeah. some things hopefully we'll get some new ideas from people in the room and everything else. So let's just think about that kind of so people checking you out. So this is people we don't know. I think there was. Um, a good point that was made just now about um, make sure how you're showing up because I've watched, I know a lot of people and I've watched some people on Facebook and stuff and they're swearing and they're cussing and they're kind of doing things that I kind of find, I find some of it a bit vulgar, you know? And so I'd look at them and I think I wouldn't ever go to them if they were selling a service, you know? So I think there is something about, you have to watch, how you're showing up on all kind of social media and when you're in meetings and everything else, because people are going to, they start judging you before they ever engage with you. Anne-Marie. Um, on that point, which I 100% agree with, the, the thing that bugs me, and there was an example of this yesterday, is people who show up in a way I would never dream of showing up in on a business platform, and have tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of engagement. Um, example yesterday, I don't know the lady, I don't know why it popped up in my feed, but somebody was saying she'd been made redundant and had struggled to get the pay from her employer. Bom, 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 bom. That was the essence of the thread. 
the, the picture that she put was a photograph of herself wearing a very, very short dress. And she was a young, good looking lady, very short dress, boobs hanging out. And I just thought, I'm sure people haven't commented because they're concerned about your redundancy journey. They've commented because you're putting yourself there like that. Now, obviously, I don't look like that, so I wouldn't ever want to do that in any case. But that is a complete that to me is wrong because she had thousands of comments, which I could only dream of having. So how do I, that's what I don't that's what bugs me. I can't get that sort of it, it seems a bit of a dichotomy and I can't get my head around it. So I, th I think I think I think with all of this, there, there, you know, you're absolutely right. I see a lot of that, and some, sometimes I look at that and I get jealous because I can't do that. And um, but actually, you've got to let those go because we're never we're never going to present ourselves in that way. We're never going to be like that. They're going to do what they do, and they might get loads of likes, but it doesn't mean to say they get any business from it or any kind of anything or even the kind of right kind of likes, you know. And um, so I think you've got to not compare yourself with the wrong type of people. And, you know, there, you know, there are bad things that happen in this world where kind of bad people get good results, you know, and, and that is just a fact of life, whether we like it or not. And so we've just got to make sure that we're delivering our businesses in the way that sits with our values and with how we want to kind of um, deliver and be perceived. Paul. Why? Why was that post just a, an issue? Uh, why didn't you just scroll past it? Because the photo was an... <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw it, Anne-Marie, as well, in my feed. Yeah, another one you mean. Is that the one you but... said to me, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it's an interesting... There's loads, there's loads of them. Oh. And, and the thing that makes me laugh as well, and sorry about if this is going to offend anybody, but the women that do oh. put themselves <clears throat> out there... And they get outraged when somebody comments and says, well, you're only getting comments because you've stuck your boobs on there. And yeah. they get outraged. I'm like, but it's true. You've stuck your boobs out there. What do you expect people to say? Sorry, do apologise if that offends anybody. Bit of a soapbox. <laughs> no, I, I think I think sometimes, I mean, I, I do the same when I'm reading uh, articles and I'm thinking, what the hell am I reading this for? You know, what, it's a waste of my time. So that that's why I say what... What was the issue? Was it a distraction? Was it? Uh, uh, it was we, the photo, what, and then I was what, like, "What's she trying to tell me?" So then I read the post. I'm like, "Well, that's got nothing to do with being made redundant." And 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 also, were were you judging her? I mean, maybe she doesn't realize. I mean, maybe she does realize. Maybe she thinks that's important. Maybe she thinks her boobs are important. For God's sake, uh, it's not. It's absolutely. I can tell you, it's not. You can. It's like most 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 men are children they get tired with playing with toys and they move on to something else there you go i think tracy <laughs> we'll just gloss over that quickly i think tracy there might we go with this one paul yeah, yeah. tracy well, might get us back on track yeah. <laughs> there are it's a bit a of a boo-boo all around isn't it <laughs> there are a lot of men that think women who do that are naive and don't yeah. understand what they're doing i 100 percent believe that they know exactly what they're doing and I, I 
again this is a personal view but I think that's why with some of social media I just I don't even go there because there's too much of it that I I don't personally like and I'm not going to change it I can't I don't want to comment on it so I just make sure I stick with the things that are important in kind of my sphere of things uh, Rod wants to know what what page is it on yeah. <laughs> Ollie Ollie come in quickly <laughs> um, I'm also gonna I'm, I will help with this but it's called a thirst trap isn't it I think it's where people use uh sort of sexually provocative photos to try and encourage engagement um uh, and from i've noticed this a lot there's a everyone's probably heard of peter peta the kind of animal rights group that they do a lot of kind of stuff with um naked women covered in blood and things like that to try and get people's attention to then share their message um where was i going with this um yeah something i read recently was quite good was the only person you should compare yourself with is the previous version of yourself and i think that's quite good in terms of trying to grow um but yeah bringing it back a little bit to what tracy was saying the um showing up um people checking you out and yeah it's made me think about yeah my social media and my websites that when people are going on there and they i haven't put a news article on there for a long time and things like that or i haven't updated my portfolio for a long time and people are going on there and maybe seeing that i need to kind of improve that a lot because that like you said tracy is the first part of the, these kind of this journey these touch points and yeah it's made me think i really need to kind of get on top of that because it's where people are, are landing to start with and just having a quick look seeing you know what, what's he talking about what stuff's he done recently and there's nothing there i think that will just put people off and mm. they're not going to go any further so yeah that was quite an important bit for me from that and I think that, you know, even for me, when I was kind of preparing for this, I was thinking, gosh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And so I think there are a lot of things that if we think about it from the customer perspective, because, you know, if you had um, if Rod, Rod was a kind of a, a strong salesperson, he'd be saying different things to me. And this is where you've got to decide about whether it's about the hard sell, get the attraction, get the attention no matter what or whether it's about actually it's about quality of service and kind of, you know, what you want to build. So, um, so yeah, I think if you look at your website, I think there's a couple of questions about social media and websites. So um, is your website speaking to your customer? Now we all talk about, you know, what's the pain points for our customers and why they would use us, but think about it from a customer experience point of view as well. And, um, you know, how do they know that you're going to deliver the right experience for them? And what recourse do they have if it doesn't work? You know, do you offer a money back guarantee if they're not happy? Or do you have previous clients that you can refer them to to get a kind of full understanding of what you do before they buy with you? There's all those type of things that you can think about. Um, you know, I think we talked about this as well a couple of weeks ago about, you know, especially in this climate, you know, do you offer concessions or payment um, uh, plans or special offers and stuff, you know? So all those type of things will play to your customer and their experience. Um, and I think, you know, that bit about, are you always showing up authentically, you know, and being you kind of, because that's where people will sit, you know, they'll they'll see you on networking groups, they'll see you in, in kind of face-to-face -face things, they'll see you on the post. And, and, you know, you've got to be real in all of those. You can't keep chopping and changing. Um, do you do you come across, come to you now, Rod, do you come across as being confident, you know, because there's, or do you come across as being unconfident? So, so there's this kind of balance we've got to get about kind of giving 
our customers confident that we can deliver what they want in a way that's not arrogant and in a way that's going to give them a good experience. And that's that's how I think we need to think about some of our website and some of our interactions before their customers. Can I just say quickly, sorry, said lady's point was that she didn't feel confident in herself. But, but actually, Anne-Marie, and I know, I know some people do use their body because they haven't because they haven't got the inner confidence. And, and I know it's bizarre, but they do then do that because that's what gives them the confidence. Anyway, I'm going to move us off of the ladies' boobs and onto Rod. They probably won't get the right sort of business, Anne-Marie, so I shouldn't worry about it. Um, I was just looking at empowering and collaboration. I mean, we may not have employees, but we do have people we work with. And I know myself. You know, often I've got a celebrant that I work very closely with and I and, and I explain to the customer always that she will deliver what I want to deliver for you, which is a celebration of a life, not necessarily a funeral. My staff, they're always at my premises, at my headquarters, um, at least an hour before the funeral. We'll, we'll have a run through a dress rehearsal. They know they're on show. Everybody that has anything to do with my business, even the florist, knows that I'm going to take a photograph of her flowers and put it on social media or at least pass it on to the client um, so they've got some, rec uh, you know, some record of it. Um, and even, as people know, even down to like when we're doing videos and stuff like that, um, it's, all, it's all going to go up on the website. Um, mm -hmm. So it's important that uh, those people are in sync with you. Um, and understand your positive mindset and remember that they're not there for them. They're there for the family first, me second, and then themselves last. Because, you know, what they're getting out of it is about the whole build-up of, of that particular performance. Yeah, correct. Paul? Uh, you, you, uh, this, touch, this first touch point, this first of five, so, I, you know, I reckon we, we may need to move on, but... You said check. You know what? What are the touch points? They're checking you out. They're watching you. I think it's very easy to default into thinking solely about what we do, uh, rather than you know how we help people. That's one thing. In other words, we we imagine that they are naturally going on because they're thinking about a business transaction. But part of what they're watching for are the non-business signals, the authenticity, uh, the kindness. Uh, the friendliness, all of the, the other things that maybe sometimes, and as Rod said, people are watching you all the time, the way you behave when you're not in business. Uh, it, it, you know, so I think people have, you know, you've made me think about those elements. I tend to be, you know, business, business like when it comes to business. Um, and I'd like to think quite upstanding and respectable. I don't swear. I don't involved in you know, boobs and things like that. Um, but that's my maybe my Victorian inhibitions. <laughs> yeah, Tracy, I think what, what Paul's just describing there is, is, is our brand, isn't it? It's how we behave, yeah. whether we're with the clients, whether we're on social media, whether we're walking down the high street. And, and as Rod said, we're always on show. And all of that comes together to, it, it's our values, isn't it? And what we stand for, yeah. that is our brand. And I think that... I think yeah, you're right. I think our clients may be a lot more sophisticated than we sometimes give them credit for. That they're, they're checking us out all the way through that process and they're, they're building a picture of Correct. this is yeah, what yeah. I want to actually work with. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's how you put that over as well. 
yeah. say on a website, it'd be interesting to know how you do I don't think you can, Paul, can you? It has to be part of lots of different touch points yeah. over yeah. a period of time. I think and that's why I like video uh, on a website, because you can at least, they can form an opinion uh, about your smile, about your tonality and, and things like that, which is yeah. a lot harder to do in text. Although Anne-Marie, I'm sure, has that nailed down brilliantly. <laughs> and she does, actually. I thought I always enjoy reading. She writes beautifully, I think. She, you're engaged, you, you know, um, you know you, you, you're drawn into uh, the way. I, and I, I noticed that, and uh, I don't mind being drawn. I think her next post might be quite gritty. I'll advertise this networking session in the next post, so watch out. <laughs> Last thing I'm just going to pick up on here is, and, and I'll kind of um, aim at it, kind of Martin and kind of Ollie, because <clears throat> because you're in the web design and kind of graphic design kind of business, you know, think about if they're going on your website, is your website looking good? Is it working properly? Because I've gone on on websites for people that do websites, and the <coughs> link is not there, or something's wrong. Yeah, and you sort of think, well, if that's how their website's looking, why would I go to them if I wanted them to build my website sort of thing, you know, so think about that. And Martin, you know, your graphic designs, do your graphic designs speak to your customers when they're just checking you out before they see you, you know, that's the sort of thing I think we all need to just think about in our businesses from a kind of customer perspective. So I'll take us on to the engagement and kind of sign up. And I'll go quickly because I know we're, we're going to come out of time and there's going to be some other bits that will take probably a bit more time but so this is all about what service standards do you offer your customers do, are they anywhere you know in your engagement with them about kind of what you'll do for them what they'll get back now that some of it you don't need to have because um you know if you're taking ph photography for example if I was going to engage with you would you say um you know we'll do a shoot within three weeks and then two weeks after the shoot you get all your photos and you'll get x number of photos you know um, so do they know what they're going to get as part of that? Um, and do you then deliver to those timescales, you know, because I've, I've also known other people that have kind of said, I'll get something to you in sort of three to four days. And then they're on day five and they still haven't even got around to looking at it because they're busy with something else. That's terrible, you know, never. And this is the under promise and over deliver. Never give the tightest time scale to, as, a, as a standard because you'll fail and then you can't get back from that, you know. So always think about that, but then make sure you deliver to those standards. Um, when you're engaging with that customer, and I think this goes back to that kind of, do you engage in a kind of full sales pitch? So if I was a salesperson here, I'd say, close the deal on the call. Don't let them get away, you know cement it down get them to sign it from a customer point of view i'd like to think you've given more time you know if they need time to think about it you've given that time you wouldn't be pressurizing them you know but again that's kind of down to your style and how you try and close a a a, a, a a new customer but i think think about it from the customer's point of view because some customers just yeah i'm always a reflector overnight you know so i'll never when i've got somebody on the on the phone and they're selling something to me even if i want it I'll kind of go, I'll come back to you tomorrow because I want to reflect on it and then I'll do it, but I won't close. And in fact, I'll kind of go away from them if they're forcing me to close that day, you know? So think about those things you do. So anybody got any kind of um, good examples about kind of if they're being too pushy or kind of what they would do around those sort of standards to get that person to sign up? Paul. 
Uh, I where I've got where you've where you've said engagement, sign up. I think I think the focus at that stage, once you've discussed the issue, is about expectations. What are their expectations? Uh, does your proposal meet their expectations? Is there anything else that they might want, uh, which may or may not be charged for? So our job is to manage those expectations and then exceed them, but unless we know what their expectations are. And I think it works both ways. Um, I've had two incidences in the last two weeks where, that was brought to mind. One was that I've been to, that I was approached by Wells Golf Club to actually start some live events. And I've had a meaningful discussion. <clears throat> a week goes by, I've not heard anything back. I'm now in the second week. I should have nailed it and said, right, when are we going to, I did nail when do you want to get this started? And I put a framework, but I didn't nail when can I expect to hear back? You know, when are we going to make a decision on this? Who's involved? I know who's involved with the decision, but I didn't nail the time. So that's slightly irritating me, but I've got to stop that. The other thing is uh, I, was I was asked to go and talk to them at uh, Glastonbury FM, the radio station. The lady I was having a dialogue with, we arranged the time. I got there. She wasn't there. The fellow director stood in and apologised for her but I still haven't heard back from her. I haven't had a note or anything. And again, I've done the same thing again. I've just given them some advice and told them what I think they ought to do, asked them some meaningful questions, but I've not managed the expectation about my expectation. When will I hear back? You know, when, when, when are you looking to discuss this? Blah, blah, blah. So I think that engagement bit is as much about expectations. Mm on both sides yeah and you could you could follow back to say look is there anything any more information you need for me to help you make a decision you know without being pushy um well actually they they don't have much money uh so in in the glastonbury fm bit but 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 you're right i will do that i've already done that i've already yeah. emailed the wells golf club and um and i'm but i'm getting to a stage do i really want to work in these circumstances i don't know whether i do and, and that's another choice, isn't it? Sometimes you've got to let it go because it's not going to be worth your time and stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, Anne-Marie? Um, I hadn't thought of that, Paul. That's really valuable. Thank you very much. Because I always say to people, what's your expectation, i.e. what's your publication timeline? When are you looking to get the book done? And I work back from that. But I don't actually place any expectations of mine onto them. And actually, I, I just made a note as you were speaking, I've got a lady who promised two weeks ago to sign her contract and she still hasn't done it. And I know she's been busy and she's been away and so on. So I've kind of not pressured because I don't want to. But actually, what you've just said there is perfectly valid. She either wants the service or she doesn't. So I need to be clearer, perhaps, about my expectations because I'm a business at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yep. I don't, I think that posture also gives you, without being arrogant, it gives you that confidence. Because frankly, if Glastonbury FM said, "I tell you what, I think we ought to, we want, we need to engage with the the community. We're engaging with the community. We need to engage with sponsors. Maybe we ought to have a regular monthly networking event sponsored by GFM." I'm going to take all my time up there, and if Wells turn around and want something, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do it. <coughs> 
you know, so that, you know, so it, it it benefits everybody to have expectations and lay those out. Uh, Martin. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Tracy. I just wondered what you thought about, you know, like Amory was talking about um, expectations from her client, but also in terms of asking for a payment up front and for your work you know how does how do you think that works because sometimes i might have a project and uh it might go you know they might not give me the content for months but you've put like all this work in you know so in terms of cash flow the practice of quite a few design companies as you say well you pay 50 percent up front i wonder what your sort of thoughts so I think, that, that, I think that's absolutely fine, so long as you make that clear up front. Because I think if when you're talking to a prospective client and you're saying, look, I can work with you, this is my cost. My normal terms are, I expect, 50% up front and then 50% after, you know, is that okay with you? No problem at all with that. The bit that I've had done to me even is when people have said, um, yeah, I'll do something with you. And then they then they send me an invoice before I've even had the work done and asking for the full payment. And, you know, and I know, you know, some of the people you know, and you know, they might have cash flow problems, you know, and so you might well pay it. But I would have much preferred the conversation had to taken place. And I've been asked for that beforehand. So I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for it, Martin, but I think just make it clear up front when you're talking to that customer. Cool. Rod. Yeah, I think it's like if I'm on the market, I'm talking to someone about a funeral plan. Um, I'll, I'll only take their details. I won't discuss it with them entirely on the market. So there's a procedure then that I follow. So I will then follow that up with a, a nice letter saying how nice it was to meet you on the market. And here are some details. And, uh, you know, it's, it's much more personal. So I'd perhaps like to come and see you in your home. And so I might go and see them. I certainly wouldn't pressurize them because at the point of uh, sale, when I do do that bit of business, I need to know that another member of the family is going to be there. So it's no good just having the customer there. You need that third party, um, you know, not just for their protection, but for my protection as well, because um, mm -hmm. you're easily shot at in this particular business, dealing with, um, you know, vulnerable people, etc. cetera. Um, and then, if I follow that up, it will be on the telephone. And um, in the end, I will say to someone, um, you know, would you like me to come back to you in six months times or, sh or shall I file my papers? I need to have a conclusion to it. Um, and so that's what I do. I, I, I'm very businesslike about it. And I had one person say, you're hounding me. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm a professional business and I need to get to a conclusion and that's absolutely fine. I don't think we can do business anyway. So thank you very much for your time. Goodbye. No skin on my nose. Okay, I'm going to take us on to the kind of the third point now, kind of about when they've signed up and they're with you. And so this is this is normally when I would say the customer experience should be a good experience because you're actually working with them now um and delivering the service and that isn't always the case either but you know hopefully in this room it is um so so do you so so you've got the customer signed up now so you've got to still be thinking of them as the customer and exceeding their expectations kind of even at the start so um 
you get you get clear about what they want so as you can deliver what they want and then you deliver that and you kind of everything goes smoothly what other thoughts do you normally give in your business about what else you can do even at that stage i mean do you do you have a consideration about what else can i add to this to make it special and i know we've had we've had conversations about some of this so i'm going to pass that round for people to kind of say what they do or what they think they do I always try to add additional value if I can um, with looking at other things that may benefit them, but not just from the point of view of trying to sell something because I want the money. Yeah. Obviously that's part of it. But if, um, you know, I use Ollie as an example, we, we had a conversation around something that he might be able to offer in the future as an add-on. I would offer that, but only if it's relevant or I think it's relevant to the person. Um, so I do try to think about other things as well. And, and that's what I want us to do today is think about what other things you can offer to your clients that they're not expecting. Cause this for me is about the exceeding expectations. Yeah. Nick. I'm not sure if this is necessarily exceeding expectations but one thing I really try and major on is just great communication. And that could be just leaving a voicemail message or sending a text occasionally to give them an update or just a, a considered email that kind of keeps them up to speed with the process. So they always know where they're at and, and what's going on. And they're not, so they're never left feeling that they're hanging and they don't know yeah. what's going to happen next. And I think maybe that's because that's how I like to be treated when I'm dealing with somebody. So I try and over deliver on that, but without kind of hounding them so they feel like they're constantly being kind of barraged with emails as well. Mm. Marcus. Yeah, um, I, I guess with my interaction with the customer, and we're talking about the solopreneur here in particular, is quite a delicate one. They're in, the in, in a studio or location being photographed. They feel quite vulnerable. So I really try and pick up on, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly empathic, or is it pathetic? One of the two uh, type of person. And I can pick up on these emotions quite easily. Anyhow, I try and make it as painless as possible by explaining to people what I'm doing, showing them on the screen, on a computer screen, how it looks, asking for their opinion and getting them involved in the process as much as possible. So listening to, 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 to people, would you say that you deliver, you deliver in a really good way and you deliver what you've set out to deliver? And when you've delivered that, that's it done? I wouldn't say that I always deliver what I set out to deliver in the right. I, I, I think I've got a long way to go with my processes. Um, I think I have all the right thoughts and ideas in my head. I just don't always deliver in the way that I want to and I'm true to myself. And Nick, I just want to say that your processes are great. Um, having been through your onboarding, whatever you want to call it, process, I think you've got it nailed. Um, Thank you. I definitely don't have that. Okay. And do you want to give an example of something where you've had a thought about doing and you haven't done it? If you Don't worry if you can't bring one to mind, Anne-Marie, but... Um, well, yeah, I mean, I've got a good one going on at the moment that I've been working with a marketing um, person on doing a social media launch package for authors. Uh, I've been working on it since back end of last year. And the reason it's not happened is because I haven't got myself into gear to put the package together and 
do the contracts and so on. And every day I think, oh, I really must do that because that's going to be a valuable add-on. And I just haven't got around to doing it. So that's, I mean, it doesn't matter from the point of view of, it's not a customer, it's a, it's a fellow collaborator, but even still, I am making an impression on that person that perhaps isn't favourable. And I, and I would say you need to do that because all of those interactions are so important. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's in my diary every day and I just don't do it. And I, I couldn't tell you why I don't do it, really. Right, I'll go, I'll, I'll, we'll come back on that maybe. Paul and then Ollie. Um, I, I tend to recognise that the person or the people I'm involved with, certainly the, you know, I'm thinking about individual clients now, um, they're on a journey. And I recognise that so easily because I've been on a, perhaps a longer journey than my clients because normally a lot younger than me. But uh, they're on a journey. So I'm quite fascinated with that journey. So it's not just about their in interaction with me. It's where they're going to. My hairdresser yesterday was talking to me about the fact he's thinking of buying the business. So, you know, I, and I'm, I woke up this morning concerned about the decision he might make. So I'll be popping in just to add another one and say, look, we should have a coffee. I'm not looking for any business. I'm just interested in the journey. He's a young man. And I, I you know, I think that I think they're trying to tuck him up. Um, so uh, if, if that is that journey, I'll freely add, add, you know, ideas. Sometimes people are not as creative and they're devoid of ideas or, you know, ideas spark off things, but also naturally for me, it's also connections, people that that person would benefit from dealing with. And uh, um, I do that quite a lot, um, even if it's not part of the remit, you know, I'm thinking of connections. Um, Glastonbury FM, they've got a real challenge selling radio space. I'm already connecting them to Rod because he used to sell radio space for one of the biggest radio stations in the country. So, you know, I, I can't help that. So that's the way I, I suppose that could be in any area. But I think to nail it, once somebody signed up, you've got to recommend you've got to know that isn't the end of the it's not the end of the journey for you and it's not the end of the journey for them. Yeah. Yeah. Ollie and then Rod. Um, I think I'm pretty good at giving extra value with what I do, but I, I definitely, and I hold my hand up that I do struggle with keeping on top of communication and timescales and things like that is a real kind of just because when you're busy, it's just hard to do that. And I wonder whether there are any kind of, um, yeah, tips or anything like that, Tracy, that you've got to kind of make that easier, um, apart from not taking on too much work and that sort of thing. And that is the tricky bit, because I think I think there is the value that you've got to do, but you've got to also make this doable for you in the business, you know, so so I think you, you've, we've just got to kind of work out what that is. I'm going to come back to that in a bit, Ollie, if that's all right. I'll bring Rod in because um, then we'll pick up some kind of suggestions for things we can do. Mine's, only a, mine's only a quick one. I think, you know, we've got to remember these the terms that you often hear at BNI, you know, what goes around comes around. It's a giver's gain. And if we if we are always talking to people thinking about what's in it for me, because that's what business people, people have this perception that business people, what's in it for me is the top of their mind. And it, you've got to try and stay away from that one and, and, and think, well, what can you do to benefit the person you're talking to? And it doesn't come back from them. I mean, Paul's a great uh, giver himself. And, you know, he knows that that's the way to do it. Um, and he was at a meeting last night. 
And I mean, you know, <clears throat> I've already put in an email this morning to the people that run that meeting um, that, you know, we can learn a lot from this guy. If you let him slip through your fingers, guess what? We'll be back to square one. So, so how many of you, so, 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 so this kind of, what you do with your customers when they're signed up with you and the extra bits you can add also comes into kind of some of the after sales. Um, I'm picking it up now because I think we might run out of time. Um, and I think there is something about that added bit you can give. So, so for me, I've, I've seen, so I'm going to kind of, um, we're all part of networking. So we all go to kind of BNI kind of face-to-face -face and stuff. So how many times, um, have you gone to a kind of face-to-face -face and there's been either an existing customer in the room or a, a recently sort of finished customer, do you make a point of going and talking to them and making them feel special because they were one of your customers? I've seen lots of times where that hasn't happened and it's appalling. So really, if you do that, that's brilliant because you need to do that. Um, have you thought about can you add value in that, you know? So, so if you're at kind of some of those face-to-face, -face, especially if you're a photographer and stuff and you've got your camera with you and you're taking photos, um, you could take photos of ex-customers and kind of send them something that says, saw you at this event, took a few photographs of you, thought you might like them. Do you know, that keeps you relevant in their mind at no extra cost, not necessarily, I don't think anyway, but you know, it kind of, it's what you do. So how can you kind of add sometimes go and go with your customers either in the service you know, uh, if you do photography and you do you tell them how many photographs you're going to give them at the end of it or is it just whatever you've done within a within a band i suppose yeah so do you ever go over that band no that's worse is it why because you give choice so much choice exactly yeah i think you know i always the less you give them the better it is Ironically, mm. yeah. Here as a choice, as a problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. What, why? Because when you say choice, what? Because of which ones they'll use? No, it's more that they're overwhelmed with choice, and right. so it becomes a negative as opposed to a positive. It's a so, real editing is a real photography when you're delivering it. It's a real skill in editing and cutting it back. And I can always tell when photographers say, oh, I gave them hundreds of photos. It's like, well, they, you, you're not very good at editing then, are you? That's, you're leaving it up to somebody else to do your job for you. So, so can I ask a question? Because I don't know the answer to this. So if you've taken lots of photographs of, of, of somebody and you've given you them those, those things, what stops you a month later sending them another two photographs to say, oh, I had these. I thought they were lovely. I thought you might as well have those. Well, you can do that, but it, you can do that, but I don't think it's, you, should, you should have got it right in the first place. Mm -hmm. But that isn't about getting it right or wrong, is it? Yes. It is that, about getting it right or wrong. It is, I think yes. Tracy's got a good point here. Not, I think... my, not, not as a customer. For me, as a customer, Marcus, if you yes. then sent me another two photographs that you've used that I haven't been able to use, and you're doing that as for free to say, you know, love working with you. And, you know, you've sent me a letter after I've worked with you to say, love working with you, da, 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 all, all the nice things. And then you sent me um, two more photographs that you already had or that you'd taken. I'd be kind of really wowed by that. But why didn't you not include them in the photos in the first place? I can, I, I can see Marcus's point. That, oh, that's, I can, that's... I can, I can... No, it's, yeah, that's an interesting point. But yeah, I think you've got to... 
I mean, Nick, what do you think? Come on, what, what do you think? You're the other voice, photographer voice here. No, I, I think it's down to us to curate the final set that goes to the clients. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't give them anything. You know, you've got to give them enough enough to choose from and enough variety. I, okay, and I will give a client um, maybe multiple expressions of a similar setup because I know they're very slightly different and the client might see something different in the photo to what I see it. But I've still curated those images before they've gone to the client so that they don't get everything because, as Marcus said, that would just overwhelm them. Um, there's a balance to be struck here, I think, in terms of what you show and what you don't show. But if you can if you can do something special within that, then that could be the wow factor. OK, I, 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 what I do, we do is I might send up later. Uh, an edited version of it with a different background with their logo in or I might do a PNG yeah. you know where it's been cut out or a social here, media one yeah, yeah. That, well I do that yeah. yes I do that brilliant so that that for me is a really good sign of kind of where you're exceeding the customer expectations you know so for me I would just say think about those things you can do whether whether you want to kind of frame a photograph and send it to them as a special do you, you know and for me because especially with photographers, you want, you, you absolutely want them to kind of be recommending you to the next person. You absolutely want them to come back to you when they want a second shoot or something, you know, so the more you keep in their face, you know, in terms of being relevant and stuff, I think that makes it much more easier for them to write the review because, you know, you've you've delivered the service I want then you've done this and then you've done that and when I finish with you you sent me a little gift that's all kind of packaged and you know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna remember you I'm gonna review what you've done I'm gonna kind of you know always think good on that whereas if I go to a networking group and I'm a customer of yours and you don't even speak to me and when I was signing up for you, you're doing all the chasing to kind of get me to sign up and then when I've signed up you kind of almost don't bother Although you do what you need to do, but it's kind of like done it, dusted. I'm never going to recommend you again and I'm never going to go back with you again. Absolutely not. You know, that's the difference. And that's where I think we've just got to think about it. So I think, Martin, you've had your hand up then, Nick. No, I was just going back to um, the point about giving extra ideas and stuff as a designer. I, I sort of I think you give a choice you don't give too many you know so personally you might do hundreds of ideas but as a professional you want to guide the client down what you think is the best best for them so I think by giving them too many choices they may not end up with uh, what I think is the best result so I think that's 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 sound but I think just also pay attention to the customer in terms of are they are they getting what they think they're getting or is there any signs of any dissatisfaction there that you might need to pick up on and understand what you need to do for that not saying there is but that might be just something you need to think about nick and then Anne-Marie. yeah tracy i think your point about making customers feel special is really powerful isn't it and i think just picking on what, on what ollie was saying earlier about as you get busier it's it becomes more difficult to find that we have to make a real conscious effort to find the time and, and consciously make your clients feel special because I think as you get busy you, you're you're moving on to the next project aren't you and perhaps you're moving on too quickly and you're not actually making that that outgoing client feeling special at the time so I think it, we've got to kind of be intentional haven't we within our processes somehow to, yeah because it doesn't always come natural because you're, you're just so busy you're kind of shooting off the next thing 
And that's why you've got to have it all these different touch points to just think about it, yeah. you know, and if you choose not to, that's your choice. But I think just make the conscious decision. Either you're not going to do that because you've got loads of clients coming in and you don't need it. That's a choice you can make. Or actually, if I do this, that's going to make me, I think not only does it make you stand out in the customer eyes, I think it also makes you feel better about the service you're providing. Definitely. Anne-Marie? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just wanted to say to Martin, actually, I think you are giving more than you perhaps think you are, because when you did my, um, the last two logos that you sent me, you did the two, and then you also sent me a combined one. And I wasn't expecting a combined one. And I thought, oh, that's really lovely, because then I, I hadn't considered that there was a chance where I might want just one single combined logo rather than the two separate ones that we're working on. So for me, that was like, oh, that's really good. I hadn't thought of that. Brilliant. Thanks, Martin. So I think you probably are doing it. But I think all of us need to do it more because... We can, because the, the, the wow factor you get with exceeding that or doing something somebody hadn't thought about pays so much more dividend. Um, Paul and then Ollie. Uh, I think it was Ollie first, but the, oh, very quickly, I, I'm thinking about the photographers here. Sometimes when you're dealing, the client eventually is paying for what they want. They might not, they might not see things the way you see things. It's like going for a haircut. You see yourself uh, in the same way you've had your hair for years somebody else sees you differently is having that bravery to go with a professional. Um, and it, I, if you rephrase to, uh, to Marcus, the point you made is that if the client has chosen those photographs and let's say a few weeks later, they've not chosen the photograph that you think would make the difference. That's a little bit braver. It's that that you could send, you know, because you've got to remember that with a creative, there's that create. We've got to, we've got to remember that a creative, that their creativity is very important to them as well. Mm. That's you know so you know and and clients won't always choose. They will always be brave in terms of photography or any decision for that matter. Uh, whereas you know that if they were to be that, just push it a little bit further, then anyway, I'll hand over to Ollie. Uh, I was, I'm looking forward to the massive gold-framed portrait of myself that Nick's going to uh, <laughs> put in the post soon, and that would be great for you to see. Flash the Molly. My fireplace. <laughs> um, I was going to say, just what Amaris and, and, and Martin, uh, uh, Martin, you, you probably already do this, but with a couple of clients where I've done logos for previously, you can do, um, you can do mock-ups of them on things, can't you? And like on, you know, T-shirts, hats, things like that and I was doing one for a personal trainer recently and it was I kind of sent him these logo ideas but I also did the mock-ups on um like a water bottle on a gym training vest top and the same with a holiday that I kind of did them on some signage and business cards and it helped I think not only that given like you say Tracy that extra value but some people have struggled to visualize things and so for those particular clients it worked quite well because they could look at it and say okay that's what it would look like on the side of my car or on a baseball cap or something like that. And I found that quite a useful thing to do with them. Marcus. Um, I hope this goes down all right. Um, I, I work with a, a lot of women in my business. I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of women in my business. Do you think, as a woman, you and Amory, do you think you expect to get a better customer service from a woman or a man? 
Ooh, a man. Oh, why? Because a lot of women in business are horrible. <laughs> Shall we edit that out? Okay. Yeah, you probably need to edit everything I've said today. What do you think, Tracy? It's funny because I don't, I don't know that I've ever thought of it gender specific in terms of customer services. I think it very much depends. Um, I, 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 for me, that's something I would kind of fathom out in my. Actually, it's funny if I'm going to if, if I think of the photographers I know and who I would kind of use from what I've learned over the last few years, it would be men I would go to because even though there's some women ones out there, I feel. Yeah, but actually, you know, and I've and I've I've got a photographer that I've used. I I'm on groups with other ones, but but I have to say, Marcus and Nick, you two would be my two go-to guys because I've got to know you. Now, your price differentiation might be an issue. Yeah, that that's something that always factors in, um, because because it does. We we all kind of judge things on the kind of price, but but I would absolutely trust both of you to do a really good job. And and customer watched, service. I'm talking about not on photography, I'm talking about customer service. Marcus, doesn't it come down to it's down the different to individuals industries and great stuff. women who offer great customer service and no great men that offer great customer service? I don't think you can split it by... I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I think women do it better than men. I think women do it, other women photographers do it better than me. And I, I do worry about that, not a big, you know, big way, but a little way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I use a female celebrant and I have a male celebrant as pornos that I could use, but why do I constantly use the same female? Um, and the, the reason for me, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but why do I use her all the time? Mainly because she's in sync with me, knows exactly what I'm expecting and, and what we're expecting to, to deliver the customer. But the most important thing is because she, she's female, it's a softer approach. It's a nicer way of smoothing the personality and being really empathetic and, and trying to understand from that point of view. And I think that uh, really does help. It certainly helps me. Mm. And it helps the customer as well, which is really yeah. important. Ollie, Ollie, and then I probably need to wrap up and hand back to you, Paul, because um, we're at the end of the I think uh, Rod's hit the nail on the head there. I think irrespective of gender, I think whether it's whatever company, there's certain companies or individuals I look up to and how they provide their service. And it's kind of looking at that and thinking, what is it that they're doing? There's certain bits that I might not like, but there'll be some bits which I really like. And then how can I incorporate that into my business? And I think, yeah, whether, like for you, Marcus, it might be the female photographers, you say. What is it about them that, makes that you kind of think that they're giving a better customer service and how can you then bring that into your business maybe yeah yeah i i i think that um customer service and i think tracy led off with this is very much in fact she did lead off with it uh she led off with is how people feel it's their emotion uh and um that is at the heart of customer service. And I think women demonstrate that. They tend to demonstrate that more because, because of their motherly instinct, because that's their nature to be more involved with emotion and feelings 
than a lot of men. That's not to say that men don't have that. They do have it. It's perhaps suppressed. It's not considered when you're a little boy to cry, you know, don't be. So it's back to that. I think Marcus's answer, it's back to that feeling of that emotion. I think that's why a lot of uh, women feel comfortable around gay men, because they brought their they bring their you know their emotions uh, out so i think it's back to that's, that's cool. neatly I'm back to tracy that's not the answer no you Marcus, don't have you, you don't have to be i'm in touch with my feminine side you don't have to be gay to be in touch with your feminine side, Paul. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying at all. I'm in touch with my uh, emotions. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, and that wasn't. Well, again, that's how somebody's read that. All I'm saying is that's why a lot of women feel comfortable with gay men, um, or or any person that is in touch with their emotions. Yes, that's more like it. I would dispute. I would dispute that, though, Paul. Right. Okay. Are you starting something for next week? No, no I, I, I would just say I don't look at people and think that's a gay person, therefore they're more in touch with their emotions, therefore I connect with them more. I connect with a person for a person. Yeah, no, I didn't mean it. I, I, I've obviously I know said what, it wrong I know what you're, Yeah, I know what you're saying. I just, I don't, I wouldn't automatically feel more comfortable with a gay person than I would with a straight person. I, I I only say that because of my background experience in, in hairdressing, and a lot of the men were uh, were gay or effeminate or whatever. And I do know that women feel less threatened by that. A lot of women, there's, there's no generalisation, they feel less threatened uh, than maybe yeah. we're moving into areas just, we shouldn't really move, move into. Move, Tracy, just, back to just you. Just move this <laughs> into a slightly different kind of dynamic. And Anne Marie's right in some respects because. Sometimes women are much harder in business because they have to prove themselves and stuff like that. And kind of they so so I think let's not get into the battle of sexes because I think there's pluses and minuses on all fronts, you know. And and actually we've got to engage on a personal level and make sure that we get to know people and get to trust and like them, and as we've sort of said before. So on that note, I'm going to hand back to Paul to close the meeting. <laughs> right, we, we've actually, I'm glad we haven't raced ahead to the two areas that have, uh, uh, we've not covered, that's complaints and after sales, because I, for one, have found it uh, absolutely riveting. I think not only has the content been great, you've been, I think you ought to take over all the meetings now because you've got engagement from everybody I think everybody's rapidly taking notes. I think it's an excellent session, Tracy, and I'd like to say a big thank you on behalf of Well done, Tracy. I love doing and, it, actually. I really enjoyed it. It's best, and, best and they are bad. I'll leave. So I think those two areas could be saved over for the start of next week, and uh, I'll, I'll weave it into whatever we do next week. But I think we, we shouldn't let those two go because they're the two areas that maybe some people fear, complaints, and... Uh, that after sale, so uh, I'll uh, I'll certainly work those in. Uh, Rod, just your feedback from today. I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, I thanks, think, Tracy. I, I am going to say this. I just think we've got to be careful because even though we're joking and we're all laughing, there are some real serious issues in some of the conversations. So I think let's just park it because I think. Um, it can, it can kind of move into being offensive and stuff. So I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, no, those, yeah. I mean, uh, Marcus. Yeah, brilliant job, Tracy. I really enjoyed that. 
Definitely. Let me know when you start your own marketing career. I'll be uh, swapping sides. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, <Brilliant. laughs> really well chaired, Tracy. Fantastic. A lot of energy today, wasn't there? It was brilliant. And I'd just like to say, irrespective of gender or sexuality, I think there's this thing called emotional intelligence that we, mm. we all have. And it, so I think some people, my wife is very emotionally intelligent, which it gets very annoying at times. But um, <laughs> I think if we can use more emotional intelligence in business, actually that will make us more insightful in the way in which we deal with people. Yeah. yeah. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> Anne-Marie. Anne uh, yeah, please ignore and edit every single thing that I've said today. But what I would take away, fantastic, really loved it, great, um, is that I need to really get on top of the processes because um, I know where they're falling down and I'm just not addressing that. So that's kind of really brought it home to me how important that is to keep that communication going, et cetera, et cetera. So brilliant. Thanks, Tracy. Loved it. Martin. Yeah, same. I really, I really enjoyed what Tracy had to say and really made you think about what you do yourself. And um, yeah, thanks, Tracy. It's you know, it was a great job. Thanks, uh, Ollie. Hey, yeah, great job, Tracy. Really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, like Anne Marie, I think for me, uh, it's made me think again about my processes. Need to keep on top of um, yeah, my customer service, communication, time, expectations, things like that. Um, also, I think the bit for me was when you talked about people checking you out as well was really important and. A good reminder for me that I need to yeah pull my finger out and update my website and uh, get, yeah make that look a bit better in terms of the projects and news on there. So thank you. And uh, and Tracy, how do you feel about it? Well, I loved it. I kind of I really enjoyed delivering the the the, the kind of um, the subject matter and having the discussion. And I think there's such talent in this room that. I think we ought to do more of that on all different subjects because there is so much real kind of core talent in here. Yeah, yeah, sharing yeah. that is kind of really good. Yeah, yeah. So I it think... reminds, reminds me of a song, Paul. Talent, talent. Britain's got talent. Oh, sorry, that's a TV Never show, isn't it? Never that. Never watched that. <laughs> uh, Anne-Marie some time ago talked about accountability and maybe what we do is we kick off next week with what we've, what, you know, in digesting this, uh, what uh, just one thing we've decided to do differently. It's all very well to take notes and go away and get on. And I'm going to take somebody to uh, uh, the railway station now, but uh, it's exactly what are we going to do with what we've just uh, picked up on, even if it's just one thing. So I'm going to lead off with that next week. All right. Thanks very much to everybody. Have a great week.